Hello guys, what is up? My name is Dylan. Welcome back to the Popcorn Podcast, the fourth official episode of the Popcorn Podcast. I am once again joined by the god of film himself. Greetings Mr. and salutations. Mr. Flick Fanatics, Panwa is back. Welcome back. Great honor. Great honor. Great honor. The honor is all mine. Um, so if you couldn't tell already, we are going to be talking all things John Wick, chapter four. Um, it goes without saying, but this episode will of course contain heavy spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film yet, Please go and check it out and come back later and check out the discussion. Um, I, I, I recommend you checking out the film. Would you recommend checking out the Highly, film, Highly, uh, very much so. We'll talk about our thoughts in just a second, but yes. Great. So that is our spoiler warning. So from now onwards, uh, you've been warned. Uh, so before we get on the discussion, I'm going to do a little plop, syn- plop? plot synopsis uh, to sort of kick things off. So um, here we go. John Wick 4. <laughs> Uh, condemned by the tyrannical high table to be on the run for the rest of his life, deadly assassin maestro John Wick embarks on a Sisyphean mission of suicidal fury to decide his fate after the merciless carnage of John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. At last, John Wick's violent journey, fueled by vengeance and grief, ultimately leads him to a fateful confrontation with his former employers, the crime masters that forced, forced him into exile. And as the bloodstained vendetta to destroy those who pull the strings continues, old companions face brutal consequences of friendship and an all-powerful, well-connected adversaries emerge to bring Wick's head, bring Wick's head on a platter. But talk is cheap. Now guns have the final say. Can Baba Yaga, the grim messiah of death, make every bullet count in this bloody, once-and-for-all struggle for freedom? Now, if you ask me, that's a pretty badass plot synopsis. I did not write, and I Thank can't take, much, uh, take credit for but let's get on into the discussion. Yes. So, Panwa, nice. where do we start with this one? Yes. Um, I would like to actually just quickly ask you, what were your expectations going into the film? Okay, so in order to sort of adequately justify my expectations for John Wick Chapter 4, right. I must first take you back to the year 2015, when I okay. was the first John Wick film. Um, and you know, this was back when we were in school and we used to, you know, watch all those, all the films, you know, stream them like on the, you know, the old ways as you the call them. The old ways. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I was actually back at my flat and this was when we had just moved in. Um, we didn't even have, a, I didn't have a bed. I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor. And I was sort of like, okay, well, I don't want to watch Taken 3. I don't want to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, this John Wick film looks cool. It has the guy from The Matrix. I didn't really know Keanu Reeves mm. back then. I was unseasoned and, you know, in my film taste, illiterate, if you will. And I watched it and I immediately I, I realized that there was something very different about this action film because you got to remember that back when John Wick came out in 2014, um, the style of action that we love today and we know and I think we take for granted today was not around. Mm. It was, you know, Mission Impossible had just begun to have its resurgence. Um, you know, the raid was still not that appreciated yeah. by the international audiences. Mad Max hadn't come out. And so, you know, we only had Skyfall that that time uh, in that decade and so a lot of it was kind of still born inspired and so when i saw it with like no camera shake in wide shots i remember thinking to myself what the hell is this like i i just felt that there was something different and unique yeah um and i really really enjoyed it and so for a few years because it it was kind of a sleeper hit for a while it it Mm. wasn't that big um john wick was one of those films that i kept telling everyone to watch because it was like an hour and 50 minutes um really short really fun extremely kind of a high functioning action film um, that did everything right, uh, you know, with, with brilliant world building too. And so when the second film came out and the third film came out, they just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. They expanded on the world. And so when you go into this final one, 
for me, John Wick kind of the reason I was so excited for it um, was it, it it did, in my opinion, what I had always wanted Western actions to do, and that's take big inspiration from the East mm. uh, with, you know, bringing in Hiroyuki Sonata, bringing in, of course, Donnie Yen, Donnie who's Yen. arguably one of the greatest action stars of all time. If you haven't seen the Ip Man franchise, um, two in particular is the best one. Highly recommend that one. Uh, I've only one. seen the first one. I think. Second one's yeah. the best one. Um, three and four are good too, but four is a rehash of the second film. Okay. Same plot. But it has Scott Adkins, who's also in John Wick 4. He is. Um, but he's not in a fat suit in, in that one. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's in Kills and SPL. He's in Hero. You know, Donnie is one of the greats. Uh, Rogue One, obviously, is how most people know him. And so when you bring in all of these legends, um, that's kind of how personally, and we're going to talk about this in just a second, how I would love to see the, the franchise go forward to. Mm. Um, and I think for me, going into this film, the one of the things that the series has done so well is basically be this playground for action legends to kind of come in, do yeah. their thing and go, you know? And I think that something was fantastic. Um, and so that was what I was excited to see. And mm. that's exactly what I got. That's a brilliant. What answer. about yourself? Diana? I am um, very much. I have a similar experience with the John Wick films as you. Uh, when I watched it, it was around a similar time, like 2014, yeah. 2015. Um, I didn't watch it in a cinema or anything. I don't think it was huge. No. Like it wasn't. Like no, it was no, no, kind no. of. I I heard about it through friends at school. Right. Uh, and I checked it out, and I just loved how sort of because there were a lot of like trashy action films yeah. um, around the two thousands and sort of the the, the early sort of two thousand tens. And I was kind of getting a bit sick of seeing these films that didn't really pay off or were just straight up shit. Yeah. Um, but then John Wick came around and I was like, I was really pleasantly surprised with it. I loved how just clean and clean cut the whole thing was. Yeah. Um, I loved the action, the club shoot. Uh, the, I remember the first time I watched the club shootout. Yes. The first one was, I would it, just like, seeing him reload. Yeah, <laughs> just seeing yeah, it reload I, I was know. something that we had never seen. I, know. I was, I was, I was, um, I was really impressed with the first film, and I was, I didn't. I, it was a film where by the end of it, I was like, this is a really interesting... Because so, they'd only tease bits of the world. And the okay. first film, the way it ended was like perfect. So if the film flopped and it didn't get that much buzz, they could have just ended it there. Yes. But then they went on to do number two, which was... Did well. Which is, is my least favorite in the, the, the series, but I still think it's great. I think I still think it's great. And it expanded on this world. Yeah. And like now it's we've got to chapter four, three, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I remember three specifically was I was more excited for three than I was for this one. I don't know. I, I can't remember why, but maybe the reason was I think there was it, well, it feels like there's a big there was a bigger gap between three and four than two and three. Yes. So that f for me, I was kind of I didn't really watch. I watched the first trailer for it and I just sort of stayed away from all sort of promotional material. I loved the fact that Hiroyuki Sanada and Donnie Yen were in the film. That was like I remember speaking to you last week about this. I, I hadn't seen the film at this point, but Panwa did. And I was like, that's like the one thing I, I just cannot wait to see yeah. these two guys. Like, it's going to be crazy. But yeah, of course, with John Wick films, I'm always going to go and check the, these films out in a cinema and watch these action films, you know, um, take a hold for an hour, two hours, yeah. three hours now. Um, but yeah, um, but overall, verdict on the film. Really, really good. Let me, let me rephrase that. Sure. Did you like John Wick Chapter 4? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like John Wick Chapter 4? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And uh, obviously, how does it compare with the other John Wick films? Well, I, uh, probably in the minority, maybe not. I, in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, I think it's the best film, uh, action film I've ever seen. Uh, I know it's very that high praise. That's a big statement. And we will spend the next kind of half hour, whatever, talking yeah. about why. Um, but just to kind of sum it up my thoughts really shortly, I do think that John Wick 
Chapter Four, in my person, in my personal opinion, is the best action film ever made. That is a big statement from the God of Film himself. So I, I 100%, I think it's the best film in the franchise for sure. I mean, you could, I think you could, this is the beauty of these films. I think you can make an argument for any of them. It's like personal preference, right? Some people say one because it was the first, it's the most clean cut and whatever. But I think like purely from an action standpoint, they, they just went crazy with this one. Um, and I think, in my personal opinion, I think it's my favorite out of the uh, of the bunch, probably is. Um so yeah, and I'm like really, I'm so happy to to be saying that because, you know, um, I mean we're gonna get onto it in a sec. So let's let's do this then. Yeah. yeah so this next segment of the of the podcast is literally called, yeah. Yeah. So everything good and everything great good about, about John Wick Chapter Four. Do you want to kick this one? Yes. Off? So I have a, a few different things. Uh, I, I mean, two main points at, at this point in, yeah. in my mind. I have two main points, which is number one, I love how much Chad Stahelski loves films. Um, when I saw this film for the first time in the cinemas, and I've only seen it once, I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but there is a moment in which Lawrence Fishburne blows out a lighter and then it cuts to a shot of a sunrise. And for any kind of old film fans, that's a shot from a classic edit from Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. And I was watching it with my friend Elwood, who I'm sure would love to come on this podcast and, and leech off of us. Uh, but um, Elwood's been my cinema buddy for many, many years. And we've kind of, we've done Civil War, we've done Infinity Endgame, you know, we've done like a lot of big, big films together, uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse and all that kind of stuff. And I saw, and we always loved reacting with, with one another and talking, kind of like just whispering amongst ourselves in the film. And I just went to Elwood and was like, I'm going to love this film. I'm going to love this film so much because Lawrence of Arabia is one of my favorite all-time films. And whenever someone tries to rip that film off, which a lot of people do, I'm guilty of that too, um, I, I think sometimes they don't do it very well. But I just love that like, they have that Lawrence of Arabia match cut. It was absolutely fantastic. And the influence that Chad Stahelski allows to come into his films um, from all kinds of cinema throughout you know, every country, every decade, every period of, of cinema history, it's so clear um, and, and I really, really appreciate him for how much he loves films and how much he's able to seamlessly bring it into the John Wick world. Mm. That's, that's point number one. Point number two about how I why I love John Wick 4 so much is that, in my opinion, at every turn, um, the filmmakers behind this film um, are pushing themselves. And, you know, they, they're looking at us. There's a great um, moment in, in a podcast, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it. But Matt Damon is being interviewed about The Departed and mm. he's telling a story about how Jack Nicholson took this tiny scene in The Departed right at the beginning when he, him and Ray Winstone, I think, are, are killing a bunch of people uh, by a beach. And he says, well, this, this, uh, this scene is very short. And he said to Martin Scorsese, I'm not going to I'm going to do stuff and I'm not going to cost you any more money and I'm not going to waste any more of your time. And so Jack Nicholson goes, I'm going to do something, something, something. And then we can stop there or we can improve it even more. And I'm going to do this. Now we can stop there, but we're going to improve it more. And, do this. and he just kept going mm. until the scene was just like unreal. And that's exactly the same ph philosophy I believe the filmmakers did to John Wick because at every point they have pushed themselves to make the film better in every way. And mm. I'll give you an example. In a normal action film, you would get a scene between, uh, I don't know, one character, one character. They're just talking in a gray room somewhere. Like the gray man is full of gray rooms, okay? And I, I like the gray man. <laughs> or, or even, I guess, in, in Bullet Train recently, it's just Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry in a, in a train. Although it's a bullet train, you can't do that much with it. And they did a lot with it anyway. There's a scene in Paris, towards the beginning of the Paris segment, where you have uh, John Wick, and then you have Ian McShane, and you have Bill Skarsgård, and you have Donnie Yen, and they're having a chat. And so... And having like the parlay, right? Yep. And it's like, on one hand, you could just, 
just have a parlay in a room. But no, we're going to have a parlay uh, with the Eiffel Tower in view. Is that enough? No, they're going to have a parlay in this kind of cleared out location where they've kind of obviously rented, hired out the entire place, probably had to contact the, uh, you know, the Parisian government to let them film there and you could stop there. But no, they're going to put really cool tables, really cool specific furniture that makes it look like, you know, these guys truly are extremely powerful. Could stop there. But no, they put doves in the fucking background that fly every shot just for fun because they can. Yeah. And that kind of philosophy of just improving, improving, what else can we do? What else can we do? What else can we do? Is exactly why I love this film so much because, um, th- by the way, this film costs 100 mil. I think it costs like something around 100 mm. mil. Black Widow cost two fifty. Yeah. On what planet does that make sense? The scene you were just talking about, the the floor, mm. it's like black and white. Yeah. I just thought of it. It's like very chessboard esque. Yeah. Like that. It's just. But you know, they use that. They use that scene in Mission Impossible Fallout as well when Henry Cavill was talking to Angela Bassett. Oh yeah. Exact same location. Yeah. It's a really cool location. Yeah. So this is the, the, a great point that you bring up location in this film because it is, is really this globe-trotting adventure uh, action spectacle. They kind of did it with Parabellum, the the, Mm -hmm. previous one. But this one, I mean, it goes from literally like the Sahara Desert. I mean, New York is always... It's one of, of the back characters, yeah. Back, yeah, one of the characters in these films to uh, Osaka in Japan, Berlin, and then Paris. And they look incredible, all these locations. I think this is the most beautiful John Wick film, Absolutely. in my opinion. Absolutely. Well. And all of them look fantastic. Absolutely. We sort of have sort of transformed from this sort of metallic with neon influences yeah, yeah, and whatever from the first one to this, these, these really beautiful and like almost rainbow-esque and it's yeah. very glamorized. Um, uh, look and feel to yes. it, it, it. It's I and I watched this on IMAX and I was really like, yeah. It 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 was incredible to look at. One of my favorite shots. My favorite shot in the film and the moment where I was like, holy shit! This is this is art essentially. Yeah. I know these are just you know a lot of people look at this as just dumb just action, action films, films, but no, no, but no. It's beautiful. My favorite shot in the film is this one shot of Keanu Reeves standing in frame and um it's in Osaka with the tree with the with the flower tree and the red oh light my god yeah it i i'm going to get that and I hang that up on my wall honestly yes. beautiful yes um i thought like since we're on a technical subject the music in the film uh is similar to the the the, the previous ones but there's so many great like needle drop moments in the yeah. film like with um, i mean um, correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that this is one of the first few times that they're using song songs yeah. like song soundtrack yeah. songs um, and then they use it in the Paris section. They use it painted which, black. Which, by the way, yeah. is a stroke oh, of genius having... God. There'd be essentially a DJ covering the night of yeah. the There's like a it's DJ... Incredible. It's incredible. It's brilliant, man. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, just a real technical achievement this film is. Yes. Um, one of the things I sort of wanted to touch about, uh, touch on about is... I know we're, gonna, we're transitioning into the action here, but like stunts. Yes. Right? And there's been this whole conversation about... I know we've had our say about the Oscars in the past couple of episodes. Yes. But introducing a category for stunts. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I think if they do that, this film, along with the next mission film yeah. this year. Oh my saying, God. We're not I, done. We're not, we're not done. We, we are not done. One. Exactly. I think like we like there's a real potential here for something incredible to happen with in, in, in this in this whole department. Absolutely. And I think it's it's long overdue. Yeah. You've seen some of the best stunt work in the past 10, 20 years and it's like these guys did like they deserve the spotlight once in a while. And I like this film is no different. Um, getting onto sort of the performances and of the course. characters. Keanu Reeves, this guy's 58 years old. What the hell? 
Yeah. So he's a he's a machine. Yes. Um, I love how he throws himself into e literally every scene. Yeah. Um, say what you want about him acting or whatever. He's the coolest motherfucker. Yeah. In, in the world, in, in in this character, I, John Wick is my favorite character. That he. That, Can that I add one thing sure, about this as well? Just about his sort of work ethic and how nice yeah. the guy. I saw a video um, of him. Uh, helping in costume, helping the crew carry Kit up the steps. You know the step, yeah. So he was carrying, like, who? It's just for me that it it. He's such a nice. It's the guy. kind He's of people that I want to work with. Yeah. You know, in a way, and I've I've, I've been fortunate enough to do, to have that kind of those kind of people. But it's just really nice to see someone at that level. He's a, he's still have the kind of humbleness that he does. You can't hate the guy. No, you you literally cannot hate the guy. Um, new characters. We have yes. Kane, Donnie Yen. We Absolutely. have Hiroyuki Sanada comes in for a bit. Um, we have Bill Skarsgård playing yeah. the Marquis. Um, what do we think about the introduction of all these characters? Okay, so I actually, um, one of my favorite lines in the film, and I have a few, but um, I have a weird thing with films where the word fuck yeah. and the way that it is used. I try to, I always have like a favorite version. So for example, my favorite version of the phrase shut the fuck up is from 21 Jump Street, where Johnny Depp is going to, Channing Tatum and Johnny Depp like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, and then my favorite version of what the fuck is in The World's End, where Rosamund Pike, uh, she first finds out that they're all like robot aliens. Yeah. She was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and then my favorite version of Fuck Off is in this film. Oh, with uh, Donnie Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I love Fuck that. Off. <laughs> <laughs> and like the entire like, cinema was cheering when he said that. Guys, was gonna say, right? Remember your daughter, <laughs> Fuck Off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, Donnie well, that's the, that's the swearing got off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For this episode. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the kids friendly. Absolutely brilliant in yeah. this film. And also, in terms of just breaking down the action a little bit as well, one of the issues that I've kind of had sometimes is that, and it's been as, as, uh, kind of explored on this before, sometimes that the action goes too advanced to the point where you actually see Keanu, he can't keep up. Yeah. And he has to kind of delay certain yeah, moves, and yeah. has, you know, and, and stuff like that. And the idea of like speed and ferocity in the fights is something that John Wick has sometimes been criticized for. Yeah. Which, and I actually like the way Shang-Chi did it, actually, the, the kind of ferocity of it. We were talking earlier before we started recording about extraction, and I think that the, the ferocity of Chris Hemsworth's character and the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, elegance as well um, in Donnie Yen's character. Yeah. Uh, the, the way he choreographs the fights. And with John Wick, I think it's a very, it's a great character to have as the central point because he kind of does a little bit of everything. Mm. But what you're allowed with characters like Donnie Yen is more specificity. Yes. And so when you see these moves, you see the speed and the precision and the elegance of the way he fights adds a whole new layer of uh, dynamism and, and diversity in action, which I think in the fourth film in the franchise is needed. Absolutely. And they were able to do that. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. Like even just... The way the whole uh, the uh, the action ties into location, the different styles of mm. martial arts on display. I mean, the first sort of it's not even an action sequence, but like the first moment of action we have in the film is when John Wick kills the elder, and the um sort of the, the in in a very like Western style in the yes, desert. Blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. Great, we know what John Wick is, is capable of. We're waiting for that that first big action sequence yeah. to happen, and it and it happens in Osaka. Yes. Where the Marquis men come, okay. and now when they evacuate the, ho the yes. hotel, and Hiroyuki is like he calls like the all, all of his people with the bows and arrows. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. they draw their swords. Yes. And the the lights go down the green light. Yes. I lost yes. my no, shit. Bro, bro. Like, so I there was one moment where he walks past two sumo wrestlers. Yeah. And I was like foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. And, he's um, he's going to do something. You know, there's one bit where he kind of goes to all his staff and he goes. We have guests. Time to welcome them. I literally turned to my friend. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh my god. Um, 
it was it was the, the setup was brilliant. Um, you know, and it, it's just he, who are you can ask? He's an artist. I love brilliant. the guy. He's everything. one of my favorite Japanese actors. And when Chad Stahelski goes on, he goes on to do um, Ghost of Tsushima. He needs to get cast mm. in the Ghost of Tsushima film. Mm. And I'm so much more excited now for the Ghost of Tsushima film. I want to touch on real quick what yeah. you said earlier about the use of location. Yes. Um, Mission Impossible franchise does this really well in the way that they use their locations to tell the story and to elevate the action scene with the Burj Khalifa sequence being one of the best ones, mm. right? The way that John Wick uses locations, not just in a kind of a brief superficial way of like, obviously if you're fighting in a club, it's going to have certain differences to fighting in a, a hotel, whatnot, but there were certain things that they were able to do with the cinematography and the crafting of the action, such as when it, 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 right before the dragon's breath shotgun mm. sequence, which we don't even need to talk about because it's been on the internet we'll about so we'll much. But there's a scene where like one of the, ca- the the bad guys is coming and then he kind of, there are these little catacombs or whatever, like these where you put like uh, coffins and then you hear like a noise and then the, the dog kind of comes out of the background into like, and then the guy's in the foreground and the dog is coming out almost like a xenomorph would in an alien film. Yeah. And I just think the way that they are able to incorporate even the tiniest little details of a set or, or you know, build them ahead of time to kind of create more complex and layered action brilliant beautiful just brilliant it's beautiful this is the thing like um i wanted to we'll get onto sort of the mixed stuff before but i did want to ask you because this is a long film this is almost three hour film and a lot of people will be put off by that and whatever if you could say to someone who's you know concerned about this and concerned about their investment in this film why should they go and see john wick if it's a wall street was three hours as well um, it's not about the length, all right. And and I, I love. I have. I mean, I'm in the minority, perhaps, but I love long films. long films. I really do. I've talked about it so many times. I I would watch a four hour film. That's why I like the Snyder Cut. Um, you know, I I just love long films. And even for someone who doesn't, this film really goes by very very quickly. Yeah, it does. Um, and the reason it doesn't perhaps feel three hours is also the reason I believe it to be one of the best action film, the best action film ever made, which is the diversity in in in, in content yeah uh, visual diversity in terms of every location looks different is lit differently is colored differently um and that really makes a big you know uh, plays a big role but also when one of my issues with john wick chapter two is that sometimes the action felt a bit too samey mm. he's just running around in rooms shooting people like we get it you can kill a lot of people but because the action is so different, and again, and again, taking a page out of the Mission Impossible franchise book, which is that they never have the same action scene twice. Um, same here with John Wick. But ultimately, you know, you start off with like a horse chase in the desert. You go into a little siege sort of bloodbath in Osaka. You go into a club scene, which starts off as like a standoff in a in a poker table. Yep. And then with Paris, you start off with a bunch of cars, that car chase outside, and then inside with a bunch of shotguns, and then fighting up a hill. And so no two action scenes are the same mm. no two locations are the same and as someone who absolutely thinks the idea of visual diversity is a key to making a great film that's why i love bond films that's why i love films that don't always take place in the same location and also when i make films mm. you've watched some of them i guess like there, there are no two scenes that take place in the same location right mm. that does a lot for making the pace better and also does a lot for um, just making the film feel more bigger, you know, and, mm. and, and better, in my opinion. Yeah. I was going to ask you, so there are three main action sequences, you could say, in this film. Yes. The first of which is the Osaka sequence, yes. the second of which is the Berlin sequence yes. with Scott Adkins, and the third of which is the Paris yes. sequence. Which was your favorite? Do you want to talk a little bit about 
them individually. Uh, Should we? I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's do. Let's do the Berlin sequence with sure. Scott Atkins. Now, I wish. Yeah. I wish I didn't know that he was in the film beforehand. Okay. Because I remember watching the film and I was like, Oh my god, I'm so excited. Because, like, I don't know. Many people know who Scott Atkins is, but he's, he's like he he is he is one of the goats when it comes to anything martial arts, stunts, anything. Like, if you go on his IMDb, you can check the amount of films that he's been. You be like, Holy shit. This guy's mm. the real deal. And obviously he's in a fat suit. He's yeah. playing, I think, the character killer. The killer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also one of the things I love about the John Wick films, these 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 sort of these these small time villains, these these guys are able to add so many like little nuances to yeah. their characters. Like, for example, in Parabellum, mm. the, the the bald Japanese Mark guy. Costas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he um like when the, when you first meet him he's playing like K-pop music in the background yeah, it's very yeah. sadistic and you know he's I'm such a big fan yeah. all these like little nuances with Scott Adkins' character he has like asthma and he's constantly yeah, using yeah, his inhaler yeah. and he's like sweating and he got shot in the ass he's like you shot me in the ass yeah yeah <laughs> it's like little like things like this that that make watching these characters so much more fun I guess yeah. um but no uh Scott Adkins uh, he's getting chased through the club by yeah. John Wick right and you think like oh this guy's essentially fucked I also like that he had a bit of a kingpin vibe to him yeah um, but no he starts pulling out the most insane moves yeah. and my the two friends that I watched this film with yeah. it sat either side of me they were like what the hell yeah, 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 <laughs> like because yeah. the, they didn't know they didn't really know was. yeah they didn't know who he was and I, I was just laughing it was crazy but um, yeah that but whole um, uh, club sequence yeah. incredible I think they used the same song they did in the uh, in the first film yeah, yeah something similar which was Really nice, sort of come full circle sort yeah. of moment. Uh, I love the whole Berlin sequence. Um, I love the fact that all four of them are there: Donnie Yen um, and the tracker, the tracker, yes, as well. That was sort of a nice, almost Mexican standoff kind of situation. I there. mean, Clint East, not Clint Eastwood, Chad Stahelski yeah. was talking about how he was inspired by Clint Eastwood and his work on uh, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, mm. and that's why Donnie Yen and the tracker are kind of like the other two. Oh uh, wow, Tuco. And and um, uh, Lee Van Cleef's character in The Good, The Bad, yeah. The Ugly because they're all kind of chasing after Clint Eastwood yeah. and they're all kind of like intersecting and intertwining their stories. And that scene, which you said felt like a standoff, it felt like a, you know, a, a modern day version, if you will, of that kind of classic moment in the end of The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. And um, that wa- that chunk of the Berlin sequence was my favorite. The action, uh, the, the fighting in the club, I'd, like we've seen club scenes in John Wick before. It wasn't anything mind-blowing for me. Obviously, the Scott Adkins element being injected in there, brilliant. Yeah. But it was that bit before when they were at the table, mm. which was, you know, just fantastic. Yeah. Um, the Osaka sequence, that was mm. the first big, that was about 30 minutes of straight, just pure action. Death. Yeah. Um, Seeing Hiroyuki Sanada. Yes. Fight Donnie Yen. Fight Donnie Yen. Yeah. <laughs> like, what more could you want, right? What more right. could you want? I will say, one thing I really... like. I wanted Hiroyuki Sanada to be in the film a bit more. Yeah. I didn't... I didn't know why I didn't... I sort of figured out that they were going to kill him off. Yeah. Sort of halfway through the action sequence and, like, his whole relationship with his daughter, which is something I found really beautiful in the film, is mm. how him and Donnie Yen are both connected to their daughters. Yes. I thought that was really nice. And how the three of them... With John Wick, they're all tied with this, you know, this whole bond of friendship and yeah. this and that. And one of them is doing something. They well, they're both, I guess, doing things that they believe are th- the right thing to do. But For them, yeah, yeah. Um, it sort of made that conflict m- much more complex. Yeah, I really wish Hiroyuki was in it a bit more. 
Um, and one thing I was I was thinking about after the film, I really wish like we had a scene where it was the three of them fighting against each oh, other. Yeah. Like Pirates 2 with the wheel. Yes, like, yes, almost yes, something yes, like yes, that. Yes, like yes. that would have been crazy. But look, I can't complain. It was... You know, um, one, one thing I've, I've loved about these films and with Hiroyuki Sonata's addition has made me realize this. So they're doing a series, I believe, on the Continental. Yeah. However, I don't think they've actually... Spe- it's like The Last Samurai where samurai is not as in it's plural. And I yeah. think if they did a Continental plural, they're gonna do that all would the be locations. so cool because... Yeah. You have Halle Berry already in yep. the Moroccan continental, and you have Franco Nero in the Italian continental, yep. the Rome continental, who, by the way, fun fact, Franco Nero, um, if you think he looks familiar or something, is Django? he is original Django. Yeah, he's original so He's Django. the original yeah. Django, and I he's the guy so. who talks to Jamie Foxx in, in the bar. In the new one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar. So for me, it's just like, the sky's the limit now. Like, if we go to another continental, which famous action star from the past are they going to cast? You know, who who's next? The same thing with like the high table. Like, if we ever see the high table, who's going to be up there? Is it like a Michelle Yeoh or Tony Leung? You know, who are they going to put in, in the high table, mm-hmm. right? Like, they have Bill Skarsgård and they put Stellan Skarsgård up there. Yeah. You know, and it's like I want to see all of that, and I can't. The world building is one of the great things about John Wick uh, franchise. Yeah. The, the mythology is one of the great things, and I want that to be explored more and more and more and more. Yeah. What did we think about Akira? Uh, Which is the daughter. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Fantastic. Again, different fighting style uh, to a lot of the other characters, made for better kind of diversity in terms of action as well. Mm. Yeah, I really liked her character. I'm interested to see more. I mean, I'm sure. Did you mm. say for the end credits? Uh, I did not, but I watched it. <gasps> okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Um, great. And finally, now we have the Paris sequence, the, mm. the, the, the big climactic sequence. I thought this whole, I don't know how long it was, felt like it, it went by like this. Yeah. But just like we well, like we mentioned the it's paris but how there's such a, an, an upwards trajectory of the, of the action here yes. upwards from, yeah nice nice Up, upwards we got nice uh from fighting in the streets <laughs> yeah. to uh the the building with the shotguns yes. by the way the sort of crane shot with uh john wick just mm. massacring massacring everyone with the dragon's best shotgun yeah. one of the most satisfying action sequences yeah. i have ever seen like incre- incredible yeah. stuff uh, my friend said it was like uh, inspired by a game that he used to play um okay. uh, i can't remember the game mm. there are a lot of games with bird, bird's eye view yeah bird's eye, exactly yeah that was incredible uh and then going to the whole arc de triomphe yeah um uh, with the cars yes, yes. it's like an obstacle cause, cause of sorts it, incredible also the marquis henchman i thought like who he can't was, die he, he just doesn't he die he doesn't no he doesn't that was great um, and then, of course, at the very end with, with, the, the, with the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, let, let's sort of break this down just a little bit. So me and Dylan were talking a little bit before about, uh, before we started filming, about uh, how this compares to essentially Mission Impossible. Yeah. And we said that part of the reason John Wick is the staple of John Wick, the essence of John Wick, is how it kind of does action as art, how it, it beautifies action and, and kind of romanticizes action. It makes it so visually and, you know, audio visuals is, is stunning, right? Whereas with Mission Impossible, the one thing that we both love, and we actually agreed on this, we were both going to say it without really saying it, was that all of the action scenes in Mission Impossible are rooted in one thing and one thing only, which is problem solving, right? Every scene in Mission Impossible is about how do we solve this problem, setting up a problem and solving it. And with John Wick 4 in that final Paris sequence, you saw Chaz Telsky implement a little bit of this idea of problem solving where he needs to get from point A to point B a simple, you know, issue, but he just instills a lot of these different things that John has to overcome. Mm. 
such as moving fucking cars, it's just around a roundabout. Yeah. And, and the, the, again, the dynamism, the texture, I would say, that adds to the action. Instead of a bunch of guys shooting at each other at, at, with static cars, let's have the cars move. Yeah. Again, going back to that first point of how do we make this better? How do we make this more interesting? We have the money, we have the resources, we have the skill, most importantly. Now let's work hard, extra harder, and make it as cool as possible. Yeah. You know, so that Arc de Triomphe sequence didn't need to have uh, moving cars, right? It didn't need to, but it did. And yeah. it made it 10 times cooler. Absolutely. And to talk about quickly the Dragon's Breath scene, mm. it was one of those moments where when we get to the flaws, one of the flaws that I'm sure a lot of people will have is, what's the story about who really knows, you know, and the story's not the strongest point. It's like, there comes a point where even the snobbiest of people who pay a ticket for a ticket to go watch a John Wick film and say, oh, well, he's just fallen out of a building. He's just been shot. Oh, there are bulletproof suits, suspension of disbelief, whatever. The guy is shooting a shotgun with ammunition called Dragon's, Dragon's Breath <laughs> that explodes and, like, ignites yeah. and, and, like, on impact upon shooting it at the opponent. And there are these people just exploding everywhere and if you don't think that's cool, then I'm sorry, but you're watching the wrong film. Yeah. You know, it's like you can try and pick apart this film as much as you want. But at the end of the day, um, if you have anything about you, seeing Keanu Reeves shoot someone with a bullet that explodes at them is always going to be cool. And you have to admire the craftsmanship yep. and the creativity behind that. And finally, when we get to the stair sequence, I have never had an audience laugh and react as, as much when John Wick gets kicked back down the fucking yeah. stairs. Because what this is, is Buster Keaton 101, visual storytelling, visual comedy through action. Buster Keaton, arguably the greatest stuntman who ever lived, you know, was making silent films. And uh, even in John Wick Chapter 2, they had a little uh, uh, homage to Buster Keaton in the opening shot. I don't know if you recognize it, but um, in 4, when you do that, it's just like, that is just brilliant. Mm. And what I love so much about these action films, and I'm sure you do too, is how universal they feel yeah. yeah in the same way do excuse me but if you do this it doesn't matter what country you're from you know what that means yeah in the same way that if you see a character work so hard to get to the top and he gets kicked back down and you show an extended shot of him just rolling, rolling down some steps it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from you understand how brilliant that is and you understand the the, the comedy of it right and you understand the visuals and I love it when a film is able to unite people mm. from different backgrounds, different cultures, and then everyone just laughs at that one joke, yeah. you know? And they only say one word. Mm. That's the beauty of film for me. Yeah. One last thing I want to add to the Paris sequence, uh, the, the whole Paris sequence. I love the fact that it's in Paris because the Marquis mm. is French. So you almost have this feeling like he's at the height of his powers here. Like, and the, almost this, this desperation that he has yeah. for... like he's, the, the he's home and John is away. He, exactly, right? And the clock is ticking and yes. ticking, and he's getting more impatient, impatient, and um, yeah. I, I what did you think about Bill Skarsgård? I thought it was good. I just wish he had an action sequence. Yeah, uh, I can we saw him stab. The, that the was track. a brilliant sequence. It got a yeah. great reaction. But I'll just quickly mention one moment in which, again, I realized I was going to like the film even more, mm. and I turned to my friend and said, "This is great." So throughout the film, cinematography, we've already established location, production, design, just yeah. a plus ten out of ten, whatever. There is a scene in which Bill Skarsgård, I can't remember who he's talking to, but he's talking to someone in a stable. And there are horses, there are women on horses with fencing swords riding around him. Now, 
if you were any other lesser mortal filmmaker, you would just have Bill Skarsgård talking in a stable. Yeah. But no. <laughs> there are horses riding around him for no fucking reason whatsoever, <laughs> except that it's cool and because yeah. they could do it and they could afford it. And it's like, why? Who knows? Who cares? Yeah, who it's cares? just cool. Yeah, it is cool. And it, that is the kind of philosophy that I love in filmmaking where you just throw shit in. It doesn't necessarily need to make sense, but it just elevates the scene just a little bit more yeah. and makes it just a little bit cooler because they can. And it requires a little bit more effort, but they're going to do it because but they you, love the audience. You say that it doesn't really do anything other than look cool, but I feel like y- you're right. Yeah. But there is an element of like, it tells it gives us more about his character yeah. as well like it, it like anything in the in the background or whatever is uh, especially if it's the villain as well we don't yeah. you only have a certain amount of time cuz because he's he wasn't a pre-existing sure character yeah, yeah. like it's like even the smallest yeah. sort of nuances and details go a long way yes. in sort of crafting the character just from a filmmaking point of view as well yeah um think about when people see uh, like six horses yeah I'm not seeing six horses. I'm seeing six horses who need to be trained specifically for films, riders who need to be specifically trained, not with horses, but with swords as well. Uh, food for the horses, money for the trainers, money for the transportation of the horses. This is like, then it's like, why are you doing this just for one shot of horses? But because they can and because they're hardworking individuals mm. who make an effort and they're driven and they're motivated and they're disciplined. And for me as a filmmaker, that's very inspiring. Mm. It's like, we're going to go out of our way constantly consistently at every scene every turn whether it be lighting set design uh you know like in, when they're in the church donnie yen and john wick having a chat there's just like loads of candles everywhere someone had to light those candles you know and it's like these little details are what make me as a filmmaker really inspired to be like if i ever get to that level that's the kind of stuff i want to be doing and putting in the effort at attention to detail at every turn that's nice because that's actually like if you could say this to Chad Stahelski, mm. I'm sure that he would say like this is one of the most rewarding aspects yeah. of going and seeing his film or yeah. any filmmaker for that matter is being inspired by these films yeah. to actually implement things that you've seen from them into your own processes. Yes. So there is nothing more inspiring than watching a film where you could look at it and you actually feel the hard work and the blood, sweat and tears that it did. Yeah. Because respectfully speaking, not only have I worked on films, but you can watch films as well where you see that people are kind of phoning in. Yeah. They don't really care and they're not giving it 100%. Um, and they're basically just sleepwalking through the job. Nobody sleep, slept walked through sure. John Wick 4. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted to be there and everyone gave 110%. Agreed. Great. Well, I guess that this is a good uh, way that we can transition onto sort of the things not not so great, but maybe mainly more than the mixed aspects sure. of the film. So um, I've got sort of... Um, Mr. Nobody slash The Tracker. What did you feel about him? Because I I thought he was a really cool character yeah. to throw into the mix here. Um, in, in, a, in a film where, you know, the runtime is three hours, you kind of need a lot of characters sure. to fill up the time and whatever, yeah. I guess. Um, I don't know if he added that much. I feel like he's a character that if you completely remove from the film, I don't know how different, different it would be. be. Yeah. But I thought he was a really cool character. I loved the interplay with his his dog. dog yeah. That was like the 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 dog actors in these films are yeah. crazy talented, right? Um, but yeah, I just don't know if he contributed that much to the overall story. I'm not sure. Sort of, I, I I do I do I did enjoy the fact that literally at the end of the the film he was literally just sitting down having like, that's a beer, brilliant, yeah, uh, watching the sunrise and yeah. and whatnot. That was nice. Um, but yeah, I just don't know. I, I think if you took him out of the film completely, I don't know how much the film would change that much. But yeah. I don't know. What about you? Um, 
I really enjoy the character. Yeah. I don't mind. I love that, you know, I've, like I said to you before, I love that they just bring people in and out as kind of these supporting characters to kind of have their moment to shine and then they leave, you know, like mm. they kind of come and go, but then they leave it a mark. Yeah. And I certainly think that he did. Um, I think a lot of the action scenes were better with him in it. Mm. Um, and it just adds another layer to what is kind of a paper thin story. Yeah. And that is my issue. Um, my issue and perhaps my only issue with the film is that it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make unfortunately. sense. Um, and I don't care. I'm going to be honest. I don't care. Mad Max Fury Road is a film where people drive to one location. They realize that there's nothing there and they drive back. Okay. Action movies don't always need to make sense. People. The Raid is a movie about a bunch of cops who have to make it to the top floor of a building. That's mm. literally the movie. Yeah. So John Wick for, I don't really care what it's about. I don't really care why he needs to do what he needs to do. I'm just, I'm, I'm just enjoying the fact that he uh, beats someone up so badly that he gets knocked out and then stomps them in the ball so that they can come up and he can headshot them. Okay. That's why I like the movie. Right. Um, of course, people, I understand that people don't, uh, are different and they have different opinions. Um, but there's an element of you need to kind of know what you're walking into. Yes, yes, there is. Them, right? However, cool. however, I want to just justify this real quick. People say that John Wick 2, 3, and 4, they can often feel confused and it doesn't really know, they don't know why John Wick's doing what he's doing. There's so many different technicalities of like, well, why didn't Winston just tell him this earlier and then he could have just solved this from the second film or what, you know, whatever. Um, you know, because he got excommunicated, right? Yeah. Why do the challenge jewel like early? He's still in the family, right? And stuff like that. So that just it feels sometimes, sometimes like they're making stuff as they go along. And people say the reason the first film is so good because the story was so simple. Yep. The first no, respectfully no. Um, The first film was so good because the mission was so clear. Not because the story was better than anything else. It's just about a guy who gets his dog killed and goes on a revenge path. It's the mission. And because the mission is so clear, the character is so clear as a result. But the key here is motivation. 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 Who knows why John Wick is doing what he's doing in this film? No one cares. No, but that's that's the thing. That is, like, I don't know. Of course, I'm going into these films to watch the the action sequences and this and that. But I will be honest. Like, I... Sometimes I was watching this film and I was a bit, like... And it's awesome. I'm I'm having the time of my life. I'm squeaking like a little girl basically um but sometimes i was i was questioning why the character was doing certain things yes maybe more than any point during these the 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 previous films as well because i didn't there was a point where i was like so is his objective to take down the table is it for revenge is it just to be free of the table um and there's this really uh, interesting idea that's introduced by uh, the marquee where he says john's gonna lose because he has nothing to live for Nothing, nothing to die for and nothing to kill and nothing to kill That's such for. a good line it's a great line and also really underrated part of these films is the, the some of the lines in these films yeah. incredible but it is kind of true here in this film i guess um i, I guess like, i would you know bill scarsgast says he has nothing to die for nothing to live for nothing to kill for then why do we have a film yeah yeah essentially there's fully there's almost a meta there's almost a meta element there yes to it um but yeah like to, to, to be honest, I don't know. I wanted to ask you, what did you think about the ending? Because this dies. This is the thing. So I didn't know if this was going to be the last film, if this is the last film, if he is dead. I don't know if the ending worked as well as they wanted it to for yeah. me personally, because it was sort of just like, okay, he'd killed Bill, Sc- uh, Bill Skarsgård and then he just sort of died and watched the, the sunrise, which, yeah. yeah, fair enough, fine. And then they, they cut to his grave and, and whatnot and his Winston and... Um, Lawrence Fishburne yes. standing over it. And that scene reminded me of Matrix Revolutions where at the end of that film, they're in the park mm. and the girl's like, oh, the Oracle was like, yeah. will we ever see Neo again? And then they're um, like, oh yeah, because... Anyways, but yeah. um, 
I I don't if if I if you have to ask me, do I think John Wick is dead? I don't think he's I don't think he's dead. I think it's like maybe a play, like okay. oh he's dead, so he can go live his life. Yeah. So he's just the the idea of yeah. him is dead. So he can he has that um, freedom now. But I I feel the opposite, man. Really? I want John Wick to die, for a few reasons. I like that there's a finality to it. And some people have said because John Wick dies, it makes all the killing and all the death that he's done in four movies redundant because he doesn't even get to walk away, right? But the reason I want him to die is actually kind of... um, It's kind of hard to explain, but I just like the finality. Uh, For a a logistical reason as well, I think that they've done as much as they can with Keanu Reeves. It's like, in terms of action-wise, people were talking about how he's doing the same moves and stuff. It's like, now that they've introduced new characters... The John Wick world would always be called the John Wick world, all right? And Keanu Reeves is now a legend of the character and everything. And he'll pop up in Anna de Armas film yeah. as well and everything, right? But I think it, it's a nice time to pass the baton to Donnie Yen, to Akira, to Anna de Armas and whoever's next. And I, I just like that he was he's now a legend who is immortalized and kind of similar in, in the same way that Bond dies, actually. He dies on his own terms. Yeah. This idea of no one can kill John Wick, right? John Wick, I, I, I dare, dare I say he chooses to die. Mm. I, he, he chooses to die because he knows that there's someone waiting for him after. Um, and who better to kill John Wick than Donnie Yen, I guess, right? But like, ultimately, I like that the character dies on his own terms and chooses death and welcomes it as opposed to like he's running away from it and he doesn't, he does, it's, it's not voluntarily. Yeah. Um, so I like that. And I think it's just nice. All right. Like, there's something about epic heroes dying at sunset or sunrise. No, I. Is Tom Cruise going to die I, next? Or Jason Bourne? I don't know who's next. I, compl- Bond, I right? completely agree with you. I just don't think. Because I, I, I guess it was more so I was sort of confused as to where the film was, how it was going to conclude. Because at the start of the film, I was like, all right, cool. He's, he wants to take down the table. Yep. And that's what how like the film was going to end. He's going to, you know, have this assault on the table and he's just going to completely just dismantle the whole system essentially but it doesn't happen um so i guess that was due to my expectations of the film yeah um so sort of when he just dies i was like oh okay he um i guess they're gonna just leave it to the next character or the next character or something and obviously they've built this world now they're gonna do spin-offs and this and that so that i mean i guess that you kind of have to have the table there to, to have all this additional conflict with these other characters but yeah, I, I guess I just wasn't ready to say goodbye to John Wick just yet. I think it makes sense because like you said, I think Keanu's essentially done all he can at this yeah. point. But I don't know. I think with regards to the character, characters in these films aren't the strongest point. But I guess personally, I just wasn't ready to say goodbye to the character. Oh, okay. But yeah, not in like a, a sad way, but yeah. just like I kind of was like, oh, makes sense. Yeah. Fair enough. But. But yeah, which is why I choose to believe that He's still kicking around. Like he's he's yeah he's he's living his life or he's living out the rest of his days and and whatnot and um, because the transition from when he dies to the gravestones was so abrupt and I was like there's right, something okay. missing here I was like mm, I don't yeah, know uh, but hey that's just that's just my personal opinion let me know yours um, yeah so I think uh, sort of just to conclude this whole conversation yeah. um, what would you rate the film out of ten I mean I know what you. 10 Good. there you go i'm i'm saying like I'll, i'm getting i'm gonna give it around 8.5 ish for me i think um i think it's a brilliant film it's my favorite film in the franchise um but i do have a, a few mixed feelings on some aspects that prevent it from being as high as you uh where would you rank this in comparison to the other three i think we both made it we both, yeah so uh four one 
4-1-3-2. 4 one 3 two. We have That's the exact right. same ranking here. Where would you like to see the franchise go from here? I mean, we have the whole Akira and Kane thing with the end credit scene. Yeah. I think they're going to do something with that. Yeah. And we obviously have the uh, ballerina spin-off yes. with Ana de Armas. And Continental. And Continental. Uh, I have one kind of... It's not really an idea, but it's just like... This is I don't know why this is a bit of a curveball, but my most anticipated non-Avengers MCU movie is the Thunderbolts. Okay. Uh, because it's like they've done these separate projects where they established Florence Pugh and Sebastian Stan and David Harbour, whatever. And they're all coming together, right? I like team films. I don't know why. Yeah. I think... I booked uh, really Guardians cool. 3 tickets today. You did? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but um, one of the things I would love to see eventually down the line, perhaps, is they've done the Anna de Armas thing. They've done the Continental. I would love to see a film where like all of the protagonists, so you get Tracker, you get Akira, Donnie Yen, uh, Anna de Armas whoever continental people, Halle Berry, whatever. Like the Suicide Squad. And they do this films. team where they basically said, okay, well, let's avenge John or something. And then it's it becomes this battle between all of the high table and then you introduce a bunch of new characters. And then I hope, let's, let us see the high table. Let us see who sits there. Yeah. And let us see all the badass, cast Tony Leung, cast <laughs> Michelle Yeoh, yeah. you know, cast Jet Li, just put them all in there <laughs> and then have this other lot fight them. Yeah, That'd be cool. And then just stop after that. You know, that, as like the finale film where they actually, you finally, after a million films, get to actually see the high table and who sits at it. Yeah. And then you just get all of these rebel characters and go in and kill them all mm. or fight them all. No, that, that's what I would that's, 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 that sounds incredible well on that note uh, I think we're going to conclude the conversation yeah. there that was our thoughts on John Wick chapter 4 please do let us know uh, what you thought of the film if you loved it if you didn't love it so much what your issues with the film what your favourite aspects and favourite moments of the film please do let us know in the comment section down below Thank you so much once again, Panwa, for coming uh, and uh, chatting we can't wait with to, me. Um, do another episode at some point yeah. with some of our fallen friends who have, <laughs> missed, who have been missed. Vicky, I love you. I didn't know work. you liked John Wick, man. Otherwise, you would have been <laughs> This He should be right here, you know? <laughs> right there. I'm literally looking at his silhouette. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, but no, thank you so much for coming on and chatting course, about the film uh, with me. He, I mean, this guy's essentially a series regular now at this point. Absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, look at that. And hey, thank you to Joseph. Joe, Joe for shooting uh, this whole thing and making yeah. it uh, look all pretty. and right, cool. I think so, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, watching, guys. And we will catch you very soon in the next episode. Yeah. Cheers.